This is Joan Boney speaking. Have you ever had a time when you had it on your list of things to do to go to a certain place and shop for this particular item, but you just didn't really want to do that, but you were going to force yourself to do it? Usually when it's that way, everything turns out to be futile for you. Either the item is not there, the parking lot is overly crowded, you're too tired, your interest is just not in that subject that day. I find when that's the case with me, I back off and just don't do it. We are strongly led by God through interest, energy, fire, through things being in our heart. Several years ago, I saw a scripture which burned through me. It was in 1 Samuel 14, verses 6 and 7. The children of Israel had enemies and Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor come let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised it may be that the Lord will work for us for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few and his armor bearer said to him do all that is in thine heart turn thee Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. I really saw that as God being with us according to our heart. In 2018, I was living in a house in Texas, a rather large house. And I began wanting to have everything close to me, around me, in one room, instead of having to go to multiple rooms to do things. And I just came into my heart that I really wished I had less room, less space. I'm 82, and it was just more difficult for me to operate with having to go to all these rooms to get things. Plus, there's a scripture that intrigues me, and it's concerning the prophet Elisha. Elisha. This is in 2 Kings chapter 4. Start at Verse 9. Elisha the prophet would go from place to place and deliver messages. And it fell on the day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. And she constrained him to eat 
bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. He turned into her house, and she would give him bread. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. So they did that, and Elisha stayed there when he went to that city. I just thought how wonderful that would be to have everything in one room where I didn't have to go from room to room. At that time, I was probably 81 years old. I could still drive my car. I'd pick up groceries. I got around fine. But in December 6th of that year, on December 6th of that year, I fell, broke a hip. As I was being taken to the hospital and the ambulance people rolled me on a gurney past my front door of that house, I had the thought come to me, you'll never see this house again. I had an operation for the broken hip and the wrist, and then I spent two and a half months in physical, in a, in a rehab hospital in Lubbock, Texas. During that time, it became clear to me that I just couldn't continue to live alone. I knew God was going to move me somewhere else because I had that word, you'll never see this house again. So I knew I was going to be moved, but I didn't know where I was going. As it worked out, one of our church members who lives in Colorado Springs, took me into her house to live. I had the desires of my heart at her house because I had a little room. I had everything I needed in that one room. And it was so much like what I read about Elisha, but I believe God put in my heart these things before they came to pass. One of our church members, when I put the house up for sale, said, I just don't see how you can do that. I had a very nice house. I was leaving a very nice house with lots of room, and I was going to live in one room, basically. But I believe God put it in my heart ahead of time. So currently, I live in one room, And I am very happy there. I can do my recordings in that room. I can work on the blog in that room. I hardly ever leave the room. I can walk a little bit with a walker. But I am so busy with these things that God has me do. And it is just wonderful. And I live with a person who is truly godly. She, I've watched her for years because she does all the technical works for the books that I publish on Amazon. I've worked with her for years. I have observed the way she deals with life 
when there's a problem, it's my observation that she prays about it. And she lets her way be established by God. And then she will tell me, I think such and such is the way for us to do this uh, project. She'll show it to me, and it's just wonderful the way that she has been led to go. She's very positive, but not foolishly positive. Her life is built on doing the will of God and prayer and proceeding cautiously. So it's been just wonderful. I've been at this um, location for a year now, and uh, I just marvel at how perfect it is for me. But if anyone had told me three years ago you're going to be leaving Texas, I would have found that to be a bitter pill to swallow. But I live in Colorado Springs now, and I love the mountains looking at them when I get out of the house, which is not too often. But the weather is so wonderful here. It suits me fine. Everything is just marvelous. But best of all, I get to live in a house with another person who is of God. Can we see from this example God putting his desires for us into our heart? There is a scripture which talks about the desires of our heart. If you look at Psalm 37 verse 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord. I always think of that as being delighting yourself in the Word because Jesus is the Word. Keeping that Word in front of us. Following those scriptures one by one. Being recreated by God, by the scriptures, through the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit brings to our attention a scripture that we can do. And as we do that scripture... We are recreated into the image of Christ. Every time we do a scripture, every time we allow that scripture to work in our life, to rebuild us, we are recreated again in the image of Christ. I'm sure of that. So it says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I believe this is telling us he will put his desires into our heart. Not that he will answer everything that we want, because we might want some things that are bad for us. As little baby Christians, we often, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. It's like a little child wanting chocolate, more chocolate, more chocolate, more chocolate, and a wise parent will not let them have all that chocolate because the parent foresees that it would be harmful for the child. I think we're like that with God. I remember as a young Christian some things I wanted that I did not get and I prayed earnestly for it and I got my friends to pray for it and I, our prayer group prayed for it but it wasn't the will of God for me. It took me quite a long time to see that but then Today, I have to say that I rejoice that I didn't get what I wanted back then. So God is like that parent that watches over that little child. 
But in this scripture where he says, and he shall give us the desires of thine heart, I believe that means he will put his desires into our heart. And we'll have that desire for that very thing that God has planned for us that is the very best thing for us at that point in time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. And it changes. The season changes. It would be very foolish to wear summer clothing when the season changed to winter and say, no, 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 I want to keep wearing summer clothing. And the snow is on the ground and it's cold and you're wearing summer clothing. Well, we wouldn't do that. The season changed. When the season changes... Don't we change with it? We have different stages in our life. I'm 82 years old and very happy. I think this is the best time of my life that I've ever had in life. You will not hear many old people say that because most people want to cling to the past. They can't go forward. Paul says something to us about this going forward in Philippians chapter 3. Let's look at that. Start at verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. Let's read that again. Paul says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't arrived. Nobody arrives We're always growing. We're always going forward and moving. We never get to the point where we know everything in things of God. We learn bits by bits, parts by parts, and we live in the part that we see at the time, and then we go down this highway as far as that scripture will take us, and then there's another scripture, and we take that highway. So we come to a curve in the road we turn with the road we follow scripture after scripture after scripture and as long as we live this is what we will do but we never arrive at the end of the road on this earth we're always following God brethren I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. Some people cannot go forward. My cousin, who died uh, this past year or so, was 86, and when I talked with her, 
She would longingly say, oh, I can't go dancing anymore. She and her husband used to go to the VFW and dance. And she said, I, I can't go dancing anymore, and I miss it so much. She couldn't go forward. Another one of my cousins, who was a longtime church member, said to me, oh, I do well during the day, but I miss Charles so much at night. Uh, Charles was her husband who had died 10 years earlier before she told me this. She said, I just do well during the day, but I just get so, I miss Charles at night. I said to her, well, if you would pray when you begin to feel that way and ask God to help you and to fill your evening, he will. But so many church members cannot apply the word of God to themselves. They attend church all their lives, but when it gets down to the point of doing the Word of God, somehow they just don't get it. But I know God would have helped her. Next time she wrote to me, she said, Oh, I do well during the day, but I miss Charles so much at night. I knew it would do no good at all to speak things of God to this cousin, so I just stopped trying. We have to go forward. Concerning death, the Apostle Paul said to us, I would not have you sorrow like the people of the world do, because you should understand that when that person who is who belongs to God, when that person dies, Jesus will come and raise that person from the dead. So why do we sorrow as those who have no hope? We just can't go that way. We make ourselves go another way. Through God, through prayer. When you start to feel that loneliness and that grief over that person not being there, you turn to God and pray. I know when I think of my mother and my father and my favorite aunt, it, when they come to mind... I don't feel sorrow. I feel joy. They were all born again. I'm totally persuaded they will all be raised by Jesus when he returns. Let's go over and look at that passage of scripture. That's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Start at verse 13. Paul says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep or dead, what he's saying, concerning them which are dead, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. 
We're not going to live on this present earth. Why? Because it's going to be destroyed in the end of the world. It will be destroyed. You can't live on this present earth. We're going to be at the New Jerusalem, which the Apostle John saw in Revelation 21. It's reported to us. The New Jerusalem. We are taken to the New Jerusalem. Revelation 21, the Apostle John said, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorneth, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. There will be no more pain, no more physical pain, no more emotional pain. Why? We won't have these fleshly bodies in the new heaven and the new earth when we're raised by Jesus. We will not have these bodies. God gives us another body. I'm quoting uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You can read that. God gives us a new body according to his will. We won't have these emotions which cause the sorrow. We won't have the physical body which where the pain, the physical pain comes. All this will be when we are resurrected by Jesus, when he comes in the air and takes us to the new Jerusalem. This current heaven and earth will be destroyed by fire. We will see that as we look at Second Peter chapter 3. Peter says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and all the works that are therein shall be burned up. This happens after the great tribulation. We who follow scriptures and believe in God and cling to him will be taken out before the great tribulation. Then there's the great tribulation which goes on for nobody knows how long. There's one plague in the Great Tribulation that goes on for five months where men are tortured. There are many plagues during the period of time of the Great Tribulation. That is recorded for us in Revelation chapters 8 through 16, if you care to read about that. But we who cling to God and follow scriptures and do those scriptures diligently, we're going to be taken out before the Great Tribulation. Now, that doesn't mean all the church will be taken out before the Great Tribulation because there's a great many people in the churches who do not follow Scripture. They hear the Scripture, but they don't do it. They don't apply it to their lives. 
back to the subject of what will happen to this earth. Peter says in first in second Peter chapter three verse ten, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. This current heaven and earth will never be righteous. Haven't we seen the wickedness increase over the decades? What does your television set show you? Turn on the TV and try to see the commercials today. You would have never seen that 40 years ago because society itself has become more wicked. So the TV commercials suit the society and please the society. So they are more wicked. And by this alone, we see the increase of wickedness, which is compared with what Paul said, is that evil men and seducers would wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That is in first as First, Second Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3. I don't prepare these things out in writing before I speak to you. I let the Holy Spirit lead me in what to say. Second Timothy chapter 3. Evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, says Paul. But he tells us to continue in the Bible. Because the Bible... All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine. It reconstructs us according to the word of God. So we continue in the Bible, but the wickedness grows greater. And we continue in Bible and prayer because prayer helps us to endure the season. God helps us as we cry out and say, oh, please help me get through this day. When we see the wickedness out there, if we don't cry out to God, our hearts can get hardened. Oh, what's a use? What's a use? It can get hardened. But when we see the wickedness and we become grieved over the wickedness, which we will be grieved over it because we're godly. But we cry out to God, please protect me. Please help me. So by prayer and holding on to the scriptures, we continue in faith to the end and the ones that endure to the end are the ones who will be saved and those are the ones who are going to be taken out before the great tribulation so we continue reading second peter chapter 3 says nevertheless we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness wherefore beloved seeing that ye look for such things be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And we stay in peace through prayer, asking God to help us. And by focusing on the things brought to our attention by God, 
whether they're scriptures or whether they are concepts. Because we receive both by the Holy Spirit. So we endure through prayer, focusing and focusing on that which God shows us. When you get into strife with someone and then it ends and you realize what you've done, of course you can pray and ask God to forgive you and to help you. David, there's a prayer David had in Psalm 5110 that I often pray over myself in times like that. Psalm 5110 Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I've prayed that several times over myself. And God always honors that prayer to change, to correct my heart, to help me, and to cleanse me, and to, to put the right spirit in me on the matter at hand. Here are two more scriptures on the subject of God turning our heart and putting his desires in our heart. Psalm 37 verse 5 tells us, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Talk about your plans with God. Tell him what you're thinking of doing. Ask him if that's the right way for you to go. Now, we do that with people, don't we? And some of you do it even with your pastors. But everyone you talk to on this earth that you can see with your natural eyes has one limitation. They don't know the future. God knows everything. You can trust in God so much if you learn he knows what's coming. The others might mean well, but God knows what lies ahead. And that could change everything. So commit your way unto the Lord. Ask him about what you should do. This will certainly stabilize you if you learn to do this. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He will bring the things to pass in our lives that are his will. Thy will be done is the way Jesus taught us to pray. Proverbs uh, 21.1 has another very uh, helpful statement. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He, God, turneth it whithersoever he will. God is able to turn our heart wherever he wants it to go. We might want something, but it might not be the best thing for us. It's much better for us to recognize that and to recognize that God knows all things about the future and what we're going to need. So let's just learn to turn to God and to depend upon Him to put His desires into our heart and change our heart. And then let's don't go against our heart. Learn to trust God. Learn that if you have your mind made up to go shopping, and yet that day you just don't feel right about going shopping, 
and you don't even want to go, but you're forcing yourself to go because this is what you made up your mind to do. And we're taught as children, do what you, do it, just do it. Go through that brick wall. But the Bible says God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. And he puts his desires in your heart. And if you learn to live this way, you will also avoid going the wrong way. I don't think it's ever worked out in my life when I have gone out to try to get something out in the world, go shopping, when I didn't want to go. I don't think it's ever worked out for me. Usually it's a total battle and you buy the wrong thing and end up having to take it back. It's all futile. Instead, take a step backward and sit and pray and say, God, is this what I should be doing? And then trust him to put his desire into your heart on the matter at hand. You will need to look at all these scriptures I've mentioned today. I was led by the Spirit of God. He would just bring it to my mind, and I spoke these scriptures because you need them. So it's the Spirit of God speaking to you. We have all of these scriptures from today's podcast in writing on our blog. If you will go to Jesus Ministries Exhortations, you will find podcasts on the right-hand side of our blog. You can tap on that, and it will bring all the podcasts up that have been recorded You can select this podcast, which I think is entitled, How God Leads Us. And you can rehear the broadcast if you want to. But the main thing is, you can see all these scriptures written out. So you can follow the scriptures as I am speaking the scriptures. And that just gives us a double opportunity to plant the Word of God in our hearts so it can rise up in us and do the work of God. This is Joan Boney speaking, and once again, the name of our blog is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Be sure and put that word exhortation on that when you type it into your uh, search engine on Internet. Jesus Ministries Exhortations. I do thank you for allowing me to speak to you today.